Well, I have never met a personality test that I didn't love. I know my Enneagram number, my Myers-Briggs type, my spiritual gifts, and my DISC assessment. I've done, among other things, the Colby test, the Strengths Finder, Brene Brown's wholehearted inventory, and even the very highly scientific personality test. If you were a dessert, what kind would you be? Ice cream sundae, by the way. This is not just a quest for me to know thyself, as the ancient Greeks used to say, but to really assess how I show up in the world, for better or for worse, and to acknowledge that sometimes things are not always firing on all the cylinders, if you know what I mean. For example, you might learn through a personality test that you're the life of the party, but you might also find out that you have a hard time dealing with things when the going gets tough. Or you might find out that you're a magnet for success because you're driven and an overachiever, but that you also have a tendency to alienate people who aren't as hard driving as you are. So personality tests can be good and they're fun and, and they can be a good gauge for some self-understanding and I don't necessarily want to say improvement, but perhaps just opportunities for us to stay in the healthiest parts of ourselves. That and some good therapy goes a long way sometimes. But the point is that self-examination is a great undertaking in any form when we're trying to figure out what's working and what's not. And it's also great for people who think they have it all together but might be oblivious to the ways that they affect other people in their world. So doing this kind of work is important and it reminds us that if we want to change our circumstances, we're going to have to get some skin in the game. After all, we can't exactly fix anything if we don't really know what we're trying to fix. There was a blind man sitting on the side of the road. He was begging. It was nearing the Passover, and tradition held that when rabbis made their way to the temple for the Passover, large crowds of people would walk with them down the road, accompanying them on the way. And those who couldn't travel all the way to the temple would often line the roadway so that as the rabbi and the crowds walked by, they would wish them well on their way. This is where the blind man positioned himself on the margins of that crowd. Suddenly, the blind man hears the tramp of feet coming, and, and he could tell by the sound of it, by the way the, by the, way the ground began to tremble, under his hands as he held his hands down to the dusty road beneath him. He could tell that it was, in fact, a lot of feet. Dozens, maybe hundreds of people, he thought, were headed his way. What's happening, he asked someone. Who is it? Who's coming? He heard the name, Jesus. Now, this is a, a point in Jesus' ministry where word had gotten out about the miracles and about the teachings that he was doing, things that were unlike what anyone had ever heard before. And so 
Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus coming to him, and he immediately tries to get Jesus' attention on the roadway. He starts shouting and making a scene. Son of David, have pity on me. He cries out over this formless crowd. He can't see them, of course, but he can hear them as they shout back, quiet down. You're making too much noise. Mind your own business. You're embarrassing yourself. All of which just serves to make him shout even louder, Son of David, have pity on me. And lo and behold, he does. Jesus stops and he turns to Bartimaeus. He says to the people there, call him to me. At which point, Bartimaeus throws off his coat, springs to his feet, and runs for all he's worth to Jesus. When was the last time you ran for all you were worth? When was the last time you needed Jesus so badly that you would do anything to get his attention? Make a fool of yourself. Ignore the distractions and the obstacles that were in your way and just say, no, Jesus is calling me. When was the last time you heard Jesus calling you, you threw off your coat, sprang to your feet, and ran? For that matter, when was the last time you heard Jesus calling you? Bartimaeus didn't hesitate. He knew if he could just get close enough, he might be healed. Like the woman with the bleeding disorder that we hear about in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who knew if she could just get close enough to Jesus, close enough maybe even to touch him. Or like Zacchaeus, who climbs up in a tree just so he can be tall enough to look down and maybe catch a glimpse of this man that people are talking about, this rabbi. Like Zacchaeus, like the woman with the bleeding disorder, if, if they could just, if we could just get close enough, then maybe Jesus would turn. But there's no maybe in this story. There's only certainty. Because the good news of the Gospels is that you may feel lost, but when Jesus is near, you are already found. Robert spoke the last couple of weeks in his sermon series about those times in our lives where we feel that God is not close to us. Times when we fear we're truly alone because we can't feel God's presence. It's just nowhere to be found. And Robert shared some beautiful, really poignant reminders of what we can do to help cultivate an awareness of God's presence when we feel that. And he also reminded us that it's normal to go through times like that. And I really highly recommend, if you haven't seen those, that you go back and watch them. They're always available on our website. Even if you have seen them, they're great reminders for all of us when we go through times like that. And I recommend that we, we do that because the reality is that sometimes we feel God is nowhere to be found. 
And that reality is very closely tied to the ways in which we often respond when we finally do sense God is near. Sometimes we sense God walking on a crowded, dusty path, headed somewhere with a whole lot of people, and we sit on the sidelines hoping God will take pity on us, when maybe what we need to do is start making a little noise. There's a, a little quote that I love that I first saw when I was visiting the Snowmass Monastery one time years and years ago. It's carved on a bronze plaque, or at least it is up there. Maybe some of you have seen this saying before. Bidden or unbidden, God is present. I'll leave it to the monks to give us a little mystery to meditate on. Bidden or unbidden, God is present. I think about the times when I was a young mother and sometimes I would just sit in the room while my kids played. Oftentimes, I'd be busy doing other kinds of housework around, but always aware of their company nearby. Sometimes I would even just watch them play because the miracle of who they are would just take my breath away. Other times, I would be so exhausted as a new mom that I'd sort of be nodding off while they played. But regardless, I would hear a voice. I would hear one of them cry out for me and I was right there. Sometimes it would just be a little gentle, Mom? Yes? Pause. Nothing, just checking. Checking to make sure that I was still around. Other times, of course, they'd call out and ask for something, a glass of water, or their crayons, Legos, a snack. And other times it was a more urgent call. You all know that. You all know that urgent cry when it's one of your children and you respond, leap to your feet and you go to settle a fight, to fix a broken toy or kiss a boo-boo. Whether they needed me or not, whether they were even paying attention to me and my presence in the room, I was present. Bidden or unbidden, our God is with us. And when Bartimaeus realized that, he took off like a shot. He threw off his coat so he could run faster to get to him and get away from the distractions and the obstacles that people were trying to put in his way. Those who would create problems for him to get close to God. And when he did, Jesus did a remarkable thing. He says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Moments earlier, Bartimaeus had been calling him a king. Son of David, he called him. That's royal talk. Bartimaeus was addressing him as a king who had come to save Israel in a real and royal way because that's the way people were beginning to see the Messiah. Son of David, descendant of a king. He's calling out to him. And so here comes this king who says to his subject, not what will you do for me, but what can I do 
for you. That is our God. That is a God who loves unconditionally. That's a God who sees people sitting on the side of the road, away from the crowd, banished by the in-group, told to be quiet, be unseen, don't make any noise, and who calls out to them when they come and asks with a servant's heart, what can I do for you? What do you need? And Bartimaeus replied with that same confidence that a child might who's beckoned his parent into the room. He says, Rabbi, let me see again. Bartimaeus could have said any number of things. He could have said, I need money so that I don't have to sit out here begging every day. He could have said, I want people to stop being such jerks to me. He could have said, do you have any spare clothes lying around? A lesser man might have said, I need a new boat, or I need a wife, or a girlfriend. And while you're at it, I've got this ache in my back from bending over this bowl, begging all day. Maybe you could fix that for me. Or he might have even just shrunk back, suddenly shy and uncertain, wondering if he should have even bothered this great man to begin with, now that he had his attention. The vulnerability in that moment is really something. It took courage. It takes courage to show yourself, to bring your whole self to God. It can be scary. But Bartimaeus knew what he needed. Let me see again. We have to dig deep sometimes and be ready for those encounters with the Almighty. Because Jesus asks us to ask. He says, ask and it shall be given. So don't mess around with the ask. Where do you need healing? Get your flashlight out. Shine a little light down in the corners of your life in places that you might rather not look. Bring your whole self. Bring your scars, your open wounds, your uncertainties, your grief, your loss, your pain, your fear. Bring those places where you need healing, your shame, your unworthiness, your lack of discipline, your hatred, your need for peace. Name it. What is it? that you need. Because when Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? He really means it. Now, I don't know why miracles don't happen for everybody. I don't know why everyone who's sick doesn't suddenly become physically well. I don't know a whole lot of things. But what I do know is that God is so close that we can practically hear the footfalls on the dusty road beside us. And it may be that all we need to do is call out. It can look like a tentative, shaking step toward God, like the woman with the bleeding disorder, hopeful but uncertain. It could be with the determination of Bartimaeus, 
throwing off his coat and running for all he's worth. Maybe this morning you're sitting on the side of the road watching the crowd go by and wishing that God would see you. Maybe you're in the crowd going along with God but oblivious to the other people who aren't on the same road with you. And maybe you're one of the ones in the crowd telling certain people to silence themselves. Wherever you are in the journey, there is healing work to be done. It takes self-examination, it takes courage, and it takes humility. So my hope for you and for me both is that we be a bit more like blind Bartimaeus and dig deep within so that when we do sense God is near, we too can answer the question, what do you want me to do for you? And I pray that we may also become more like Jesus who stops everything and asks others, what can I do for you? Amen. Let us pray.